let's take a moment and pray. Lord God, you are ruler of all. And we thank you. We simply thank you and give you praise this morning. We thank you for the word. We thank you for Jesus. And we ask through the power of the Holy Spirit that we are formed and informed evermore, growing in our faith in Christ Jesus. So enliven us this morning. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Home. It's an important word. It's actually a pretty powerful word for most people. Home. I mean, it's something when you were a young kid that was really important to you, that you had a place to go where it was safe and secure. Now, for those people who didn't have a home that was good or safe or secure, uh, it has a negative impact throughout your entire life, doesn't it? And there's always that sense of wandering, of never being quite settled for many people. Yet even those who had average homes or even good homes, as you grow up, you reach those teenage years and you think, oh, I got to set off on my own. You know, and the, those rebellious teenage and even into the 20s and you set off into the world. But after a while, you still kind of have that uneasiness, right? You still, you just want to settle down and make a home. There is that sense. And so you settle down, you have a home, and a lot of people then get married and they have children, and all of a sudden you're the parent where the children are now calling you because you're home. And as you get older and then, then you, your body just doesn't uh, work the way you want it to after a while, you kind of go, you know, even this home that we have here is pretty temporary, isn't it? And then even at the end of your life, there are so many people who say something like, I'm ready to go home. And I bet you know people who have said something like that. I'm ready to go home. A place that is permanent, a place where I'm known, a place where I'm loved, a place that is secure. Now, most of us call that home heaven, don't we? We call that home heaven. And a lot of people throughout their entire lives are really aching. Their soul seeks the satisfaction of a place that is eternal, a place of eternal rest, home. And a lot of people are wandering in their lives, and they actually, they're thinking, do I know the way to heaven? Do I know the way to home? I mean, what is the way? Is it Jesus? Is it Muhammad? Is it Buddha? Is it Hinduism? Is it New Age spirituality? What is that road? What is that path? And so this morning, we're going to learn from Jesus. We are going to learn what he has to say. And in our scripture reading, we have three main topics, and they're all around belief. What do you believe? So first of all, to believe that Jesus to believe in Jesus. That's the first thing, to believe in Jesus. To believe his promises, and then to believe that Jesus is the way. 
Okay, so that's our roadmap this morning. So the first part, believe in Jesus, and we start off with this text. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So the context of this particular verse is that it has been the Last Supper, the night of Passover. And they have just finished Passover, and Jesus will soon be taken prisoner and then be crucified and then rise again on the third day. But the disciples didn't know all of this, did they? And so when Jesus had said that he is going away for a while, they were afraid. They just didn't know what to make of this. And so you can kind of hear Jesus talking to his disciples out of love, out of compassion. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Now the, far, the softness of that first phrase is apparent, isn't it? Let not your hearts be troubled. It's this soft, gentle, loving phrase. But if he had stopped just there, it would have been a platitude. You know, a platitude. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, it'll get better. You know, just be positive. But Jesus doesn't leave it there, does he? He says, the way to calm your worry, the way to calm a troubled heart is to believe. What counteracts a troubled heart, what counteracts worry is belief, believe. But not just any old belief will do. You can't just believe anything. Look, if I had a heart condition and I needed open heart surgery and I came up to you and I said, I sincerely believe that you can do open heart surgery on me this morning. Now, by the way, if you said, sure, uh, yeah, I can do that. I'd be like, whoa, hold on a minute. Right? Because you don't have the credentials. You don't have the ability to do that. As far as I know, any open heart surgeons in the congregation? I don't think there are. But that would be pretty crazy, wouldn't it? If I said, I sincerely believe. The sincerity of my belief doesn't make it true, does it? See, you have to have the proper belief in the proper thing or person. And here in the text, Jesus says, the proper belief is to believe in God. God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. That's what we profess, right? In the Apostles' Creed. God who is sovereign over everything, who created everything, believe in God. But then Jesus said something very amazing. He says, believe also in me. I mean, that's an astounding statement. Because what Jesus is equating himself, he is equating himself directly with God. Believe in God, believe in me. You see, all of the other prophets from the Old Testament, they always pointed to God. Jehovah, right? Yahweh. They said, believe in Yahweh. Jesus says, believe also in me. This is astounding. See, if you have been wandering, if you have been unsettled, if you have been wondering, 
how to take care of all the different troubles in your life. You don't look to alcohol. You don't look to gambling. You don't look to Muhammad. You don't look to Buddha. You look to none of those. You look to Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. God, Jesus, the same. To look to Jesus is to look to God. So believe in Jesus. So let's continue on here. He says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. So Jesus makes three promises in what he says here. The first promise is that there is a place for you. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. So Jesus is using an analogy, a metaphor. He's not saying that in heaven there's a bunch of different apartments, condos, and all of that. One for the Baptists, one for the Lutherans. You know, that's the old joke. But he says that heaven is such a place and it is so vast that there is a place for you that is waiting for you if you know the way. Now, the second point he makes is that he will come again. As a child, were you ever separated from your parents? Like one time I was separated from my parents at the state, Minnesota State Fair. It's, a, it's the second largest fair in the U.S., you know, over 2 million people uh, normally would go to the fair. So I got separated, and there's a moment of panic, right? Now, as a kid, you might have had that moment of panic. But as a parent, did you ever <clears throat> accidentally lose your kid in a store or something like that? There's a greater moment of panic if you have ever misplaced your child. And you would move heaven and earth to find them, wouldn't you? You would move heaven and earth. God has literally moved heaven and earth with Christ Jesus so that we would be redeemed. And Jesus said that he would come again, that he would never abandon you or leave you as an orphan. Remember what it says, the promise, Romans 8, 38, and 39, for I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor heights nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Two promises. There's a place for you, and he will come again. Now this third promise I find to be the most astounding of the three. He says, I will take you to myself. Notice that he doesn't say, I'm going to take you to heaven. He says, I'm going to take you to myself. Pastor John Piper had a lot of good things to say about this. He said, what's the essence of heaven? The essence of heaven 
is the immediate presence of Jesus. That's heaven. See, a lot of people want to go to heaven, but wherever Jesus is, that's where heaven is. Pastor Piper said, the essence of what he's saying is this, I go this night through death for you. I rise Easter morning out of death for you so that I myself will be your living dwelling place. I am not taking you to a room in heaven. I am your room in heaven. I am your room in the Father's house. And I will come again for you and take you to myself. Let not your hearts be troubled. See, Jesus has prepared a place for you. The curtain of heaven between the holy and holy place has been opened wide for you. And now all through faith in Christ Jesus, we have access to the very throne of God because of Jesus. And then we are there with him. And we enter into his place, his dwelling, because we have been washed clean by our sin through repentance and faith in him We have our home. See, a lot of people don't want to enter into the home because they don't want to repent. They think they have no sin. But how many of you have house rules that when you come to the house, you at least wipe your feet or even take off your shoes because you don't want to track dirt into the home, right? I know some people have that like, well, really strict. Well, in heaven, the way to come into heaven You can't just come in any old way. You have to be washed clean by the blood of the Lamb, and that takes repentance and faith in Christ Jesus. And then he says, I am your room. That's heaven. So believe in Jesus, believe his promises, and believe that he is the way. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Aren't you thankful for Thomas? I'm thankful for Thomas. Because most of us kind of would have been like, we, we, we would have been the sheep, you know, like last week, like, oh, Lord, we don't know the way. <laughs> but we would, we were like, I don't know where we're supposed to go. So Jesus spells it out very clearly for all the sheep, for all of us, who have our doubt. He said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is another one of those I am statements of Jesus, right? I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. Those I am statements say, I am the same equivalence of God, of Yahweh. Now, Jesus says he is the way, right? Jesus said to him, I am the way. That means there, are only, there is only one way. And a lot of people don't like that. They don't like the idea that Jesus 
is the only way. They want to mix and match. They want to take Buddhism and, and Christianity and New Age spiritualism and mysticism and put that all together and say, oh, I've got the way. You know, one time I talked to a, a 20, 25, 26-year-old woman and uh, we were talking about spirituality and she says she's very much into Eastern spirituality. And she said, you know, aren't basically all religions are the same, right? They all lead to God. And I said, no. At their core, they are fundamentally different and contradictory. Christianity says that Jesus is God. All the other religions say that he's not. He can't be God and not God at the same time. That's a contradiction. And this woman was like, she kind of hemmed and hawed about that because the logic fits, right? He can't be God and not God at the same time. And so she hemmed and hawed, and, and then she said, well, I kind of try to have a Christ consciousness about me. I have no idea what that means. I don't think she did either. But like many, she had beliefs and arguments that were made out of ignorance. She didn't even know what Jesus had to say about the subject. Jesus is a way, one way, the only way. Leads to life and life everlasting. All the rest lead to death. Let's make this really simple. I've given this analogy before, but not everybody has heard it. We've had some new people here. Let's say that you are ill and uh, you are terminally ill, but there is one pill that will save you. And you're at the doctor's office and say, doctor, I need this one pill to save me. And your doctor says, well, here's four white ones. Just choose one of them. Hopefully, you'd get a different doctor, wouldn't you? You go, well, no, doctor, look, one's going to save me, and the others are going to kill me. You understand this analogy, right? It's amazing how strict we are with our own physical health, but yet when it comes to our spiritual health, our spiritual life and life everlasting, we kind of go, eh, whatever, all religions are just kind of the same. No, not at all. We don't mess around with our physical life, but we seem to think it doesn't matter when it comes to our spiritual life. But Jesus is clear. There's no ambiguity at all. He says he is the way, not a way. Just as he said, I am the bread of life, he doesn't say, I'm the bread basket. He doesn't say, I'm the law. He says, I am the light of the world. He doesn't say, I'm the light switch. Turn on Jesus and you get the light. He, does, he says, I am the living water. He doesn't say, I'm the glass that holds the living water. Jesus says, he is the way. Look, if you want to know how to get home, to be with Christ Jesus, he's the only way. You can't do enough good deeds. You can't build up a ladder of good deeds to heaven. That does not work. 
because we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus said, you want to know the Father? Through me. Through him alone. The idea of Jesus being the way was so important. I don't know if you know this, but the early Christians weren't called Christians in the beginning. Do you know what they were called? They were called followers of the way. That's what they were known as. That's how important it was, the way. And I've talked about how the Pew polls recently, the the polls have said that many people think now, who supposedly say they're Christian, that other faiths are the way to to, to heaven. They do a mix and match routine. She said, no, there's only one. I mean, so, so steadfast were they in their faith, the followers of the way, that they even endured persecution. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 9. But Saul, who we would be know as Paul, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So Jesus said, I'm the way. Now, he could have just stopped right there, right? That should be sufficient. But he also said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. And again, he doesn't say he is a truth. He says he is the truth. And many people don't like that anymore. I quoted this, I think, believe just last week. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set me free if you abide in what? His word. His word is the truth. But again, a lot of people don't want to abide in his word. And because they don't abide in his word, they don't abide in truth. And so they're all over the board. But let's make this perfectly clear. Jesus is the embodiment and source of all truth. Not just some truth, but all truth. What would that do in your lives if you really believe that? That he is the embodiment and source, not of some truth, but of all truth. All truth. Everything. Now, Jesus also said that he is the life. I'm not going to really go into that one this morning because next week we're going to do I am the resurrection and the life. So we're going to dive deeper into that one. But again, he says in a very profound way, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So the question I have for you this morning is, Do you believe that? Do you trust with your whole life, 
not just intellectual, but with your whole mind, heart, soul, that Jesus is who he says he is. Let me put it this way. Here's a choice before you this morning. Either Jesus is the way, the truth, or the life, or he's not. There's no middle ground here. See, if Jesus really is who he says he is, then it's of the utmost importance. If he's not who he says he is, then it's of no importance. What Jesus can't be is somewhat important. C.S. Lewis puts it like this. He says, you must make a choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit ahead of him. You can kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Believe in Jesus, believe his promises, and believe that he is the way. So what about you this morning? Are you looking for home? Are you searching for home? Believe in Jesus. Do you need assurance? Go back. Read his promises that he has given us. And do you need to find the way home? Look to Jesus. Because he said, I am the way. Let's pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We thank you that we have the assurance of salvation, of redemption, of eternal rest, of being with Christ Jesus. We thank you that he is our home, that he is our heaven, that he is our Savior. Thank you. And in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. 